Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for July 12, 2023. What's on tap for inflation for the second half of the year? The Consumer Price Index cooled further in June as food and energy prices have eased in recent months. But strong housing and services inflation continues to drive a hot pace of core inflation, which is a key focus area for the Fed. Are there any signs that core inflation will decline over the second half of the year? And what is our updated outlook for the Fed based on expected inflation trends? This is Brian Kirk, and with me today to answer these questions and provide their thoughts are Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Bostancic, and Senior Economist, Ben Ayers. Kathy, let's start with you today. The annual pace for consumer inflation slowed to 3% in June its slowest pace since March of 2021. That's great news, isn't it? I mean, what are your big takeaways from the June CPI data? Well, thanks, Brian. It certainly was a welcome change to see um, the consumer price index come in slower than than expectations, Um, both two-tenths increase and the headline in core. Um, And as you indicated, the year-on-year rate um, for for headline inflation uh, fell quite sharply. Uh, it fell from 4% to 3%, and that is the lowest um, annual advance since March of 2021. Um, the year-on-year pace for core CPI also uh, decelerated meaningfully from 53 to 4.8%. That's the lowest rate since October 2021. Uh, but there we see st- more stickiness, right? And that's what we expected, not a surprise. Um, The headline um, deceleration is really being helped by easy year-on-year comparison. For example, energy prices have fallen uh, quite sharply from a year ago, uh, down about 25%. So that's a big help to the headline number. Um, But even within core, there there are certainly encouraging readings here. Um, If we look at a three-month annualized change for core CPI, and one reason to do that is because you get these easy year-to-year comparisons. Uh, The rate um, fell to to 4.1 for 5% in May. So that's like a rolling three-month annualized change. Um, That's down from 5.2 in February, which was the recent peak. So that's that's encouraging and good news, but at 4.1 is still quite elevated and higher than the Fed's comfort zone. I mean, remember, their target is 2%. So we think that keeps them on course um, to raise rates uh, later this month. Um, but if we continue to see persistently soft readings, and meaning we really need to see like two-tenths, three-tenths readings. Remember, two-tenths annualized is 2.4. So eventually to get to to two percent, you need more than less than an average two tenths each month, and we're pretty far away from that. Even you know, notwithstanding today's data, so we're still seeing stickiness, um, but it, it should be a downward trend, and that's the good news. Um, and that, again, encouraging for the Federal Reserve and encouraging for for really everyone overall because inflation's been such an issue here for the for the economy. So. You know, looking ahead, um, we expect to continued gradual improvement, particularly in that core number. And if you dig a little further into the numbers, there's a super core number that we look at. It's core services excluding rents. 
Um, and there, there was good news today as well. It was flat on the month. And we think that will continue to trend lower, you know, as we, we go through the year. Uh, but again, we're, it's going to take us way out, probably way into, you know, 2025 before we actually hit the Fed's 2% target. Um, so they're, they're going to be slow to cut rates. Um, certainly not, we don't see that this year. And, and it's going to be very slow even for next year. Okay. Thank you, Kathy. Now, Ben, you know, <clears throat> some might say the housing costs are a key driver in pushing up core inflation. I've heard that housing activity is much weaker now than it was before mortgage rates went up. So help me out here. What's been happening to increase housing costs and why is housing so important to inflation readings? Yeah, this is a great topic to bring up around inflation. You know, the, the housing market really has taken on the chin over the past year plus. Mortgage rates rose several percentage points over 2022. And as a result, we saw sales activity plunged. You know, the existing home sales fell for 12 consecutive months. And we saw really big cutbacks in home construction and just the overall kind of retrenchment within the housing market. Um, but before this period, home prices were actually rising quite rapidly. At one point, we were up more than 20% on a year-over-year basis for many house price measures as of you know April, May of 2022. And it's these price increases that take a long time to flow into the consumer price index that are still pushing up those housing measures that are a key driver of particularly core inflation when, when you look at the, the price factors within the, the consumer price index. You know, our analysis shows there's quite a long lag from when the movements for maybe the current market HPIs, the, the house price indices, maybe say the uh, Case-Shiller HPI flow into the primary housing measure within the CPI, which we call owner's equivalent rent. And we estimate that lag to be about a year or more. Um, so yet again, there were very sharp increases in the first half and through June of 2022. And so it's not surprising that we're seeing some pretty sharp increases with that OER, that owner's equivalent rent measure in the first half of 2023 as well. So that's kind of your bad news is there's been a lot of upper pressure that was still lingering from say 2022. Um, but the good news is we've seen those prices really fall off over the past year. And that probably places some downside pressure on particularly those housing measures, but obviously overall core CPI and the overall CPI as well. You know, last summer house prices really started to cool off and actually as of April of this year show a slight decline compared to a year ago. And we've also seen asking rents have come down as well. Uh, not surprisingly, this coincides with the sharp drop in sales activity that occurred over the past year. And again, that lag's gonna help us now as we look over the second half of this year and into the first half of 2024, because some of those price declines and easing of the costs that we saw for housing within the broader market will start to flow into these inflation measures as well. And so that means shelter costs should cool potentially quite significantly over the next six to 12 months. And that's really a big deal for core inflation in particular, because shelter comprises about 40% of the core CPI calculations, about 25% of the overall CPI. So if you're starting to see some finally some cooling there, you know, right now we're still about 8% on a year over year basis for shelter costs. You know, if that slows down to six, slows down to four potentially over the next six to 12 months, that really helps to improve those overall inflation readings and, and finally see some of that cooling that the Fed would like to see in response to their sharp rate hikes. Uh, you know, just one final note here. There's a slight bad side as well, is that actually so far this year, we've seen house prices have bounced back a little bit. 
Um, so we might see some downside pressure over the next six to 12 months. Maybe about a year from now, we might see a little bit more upward pressure. So, you know, give and take here. Uh, and again, that might keep that core inflation number higher over 2024, as Kathy just alluded to, and maybe not seeing us get back to more normal levels for, for inflation until 2025. Thanks, Ben. So, Kathy, let's talk more about that then. Uh, when do you think the cooling of housing costs will be seen in the CPI? And, and when that happens, how could that influence our inflation outlook over the rest of the year? Yeah, as Ben said, there's really a lagged uh, relationship between home prices or even real-time rental um, uh, cost data. So, for example, Zillow provides us with current uh, rent uh, figures, and in both home prices uh, and the rental inflation, the newest readings have slowed quite markedly, and it does suggest that, you know, somewhere between six to the 16 months later, that shows up in the CPI uh, rental component. Um, so today's number um, still reflected a pretty strong increase in, in, in the June uh, reading. Owner's equivalent rent was at four-tenths. Rent of primary residence was up half a percent. Um, year on year, if you look at those two components together, it's still running 7.8% higher. It's down slightly from 8% year on year in, in May. Um, but that's going to continue to be upper pressure. But we should, in the second, particularly we think in the second half of the year and going into next year, we should start to see some easing uh, because of that lagged impact. And we're doing some more um, intensive work on that because the lags can be tricky at times because they are sort of different measures. But um, we, the Federal Reserve and most everyone, is expecting rental inflation to, to roll over. Um, and that is going to be really helpful for the core CPI number. Um, for instance, you know, we, we see the core CPI number it, it decelerate to 4.8%. You know, by, let's say, if we look ahead to next year, by the middle of next year, you know, we should see that roughly, you know, in a core CPI, roughly, um, a you know, a little bit above 3%, let's say like three and a quarter year on year. So that's a nice deceleration in, in core CPI, but it really does depend on um, that rental inflation portion easing. Now, the good news is when we, we strip that out of core services, again, look at that super core service number. Um, in June, that was actually flat um, and year in year, and even a three-month annualized change has slowed um, quite um, nicely and significantly. Um, the year-on-year -year rate uh, for that super core services is now at 3.8%. So that's the lowest since December 2021. So everything is, is sort of, it's headed in the right direction. Um, and especially, again, we look at even a three-month or annualized rate, it, it's slowing. Um, the tricky part could be that getting from 3% to 2% is the hardest part. Um, yeah, we, we've, we've seen headline inflation fall from 9% now down to 3%. You would think, well, that's the toughest part. And it's been pretty tough. But getting from 3% to 2%, again, the, the monthly prints have to be quite low. And we also have to see what you haven't talked about here, but slowing in the labor market, because that is related. As if you see strong employment numbers, strong wage growth, that means consumers could still spend and companies would say, oh, we still have pricing power and they can increase uh, prices at a pretty rapid pace. So we also need to see, along with cooler inflation prints, we actually need to see the labor market continue to slow as well. Well, that will be great news if we get to 2% for sure.
Let's turn our attention. You mentioned the Fed a moment ago. Ben, let's talk about the Fed a little bit more. You know, recent commentary has shown that they do want to do one more rate hike at their meeting coming up in a few weeks. Is that what you're forecasting as well? Or what can you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, the Fed did surprise a little bit on the hawkish side, I think, at the June FOMC meeting, showing two more rate hikes in the so-called dot plot uh, up from where they were in March. And really, there's a lot of emphasis that there's still more work to be done. And I think this this morning's numbers are a good sign and a sign that things are finally moving in the direction that the Fed would like it to see. But clearly, the commentary in recent weeks, and especially since the June FOMC meeting, continues to stay the course that they need to raise rates further and that they need to slow down and be more restrictive to continue to get the trend for inflation back to where they want it to be in that two to two and a half percent range. So, you know, I, our forecast agrees as well. Financial markets are pricing in about a 90 percent chance of a 25 basis point rate hike later this month. Uh, we agree with that. We think they're going to move at that point. Uh, and really, after that, it's going to get pretty interesting. Uh, as Kathy mentioned, there's kind of this nexus of you want to see cooling inflation. You want to see cooling labor market. You know, we've seen some signs of that. Um, but will they cool enough over the next couple months? You know, we've got three months from now, just about a little over, little over two and a half months until the, the September FOMC meeting when they meet in mid-May or mid, mid-September. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in the data over that. Do we continue to see a cooling in job growth, which has slowed down to about an average of 240,000? Do we see that slow down to 200,000 by that point? Do we continue to see core inflation roll over a little bit? You know, I think Kathy laid out that I, I think, unfortunately, it's going to be harder to get lower inflation prints from here. And I think that over the second half of the year, we're going to see a bit of a flatlining of many of the year-over-year measures for the CPI, mainly because of some of those base effects from a year ago, which were rather cooler uh, last summer and into fall last year. So it's going to be harder to see those declines. So yet again, I think we're going to see still a little bit pressure on the Fed to keep on with the rate hikes. Uh, You know, as we go into September, I think if things are going to cool enough that they're going to pause and skip again, just as they did in June at that point. And then by the time they meet in early November, I think we might be on the cusp of recession at that point given our forecast and where we see things trending across the economy. And certainly, I think as we, if we see things trending towards the recession, the Fed's going to hold off and pause and continue to hold those rates it's still at a relatively restrictive level, but not feel like they need to go higher with rates. So really, I think our baseline is, as Kathy laid out at the beginning, um, one more rate hike this month uh, and then kind of a pause and assessment over the rest of the year. Um, if things do cool as we expect, we think they're going to hold off on more. Um, but that doesn't mean they're going to be rate cutting anytime soon, though. Uh, I think it's you know more likely they still have a tightening bias as we look over policy for the next six to nine months. You know, I, I think they're more than willing to go higher with rates if they feel that the data supports. Um, but I think even if they see some cooling and maybe some signs we're going to recession, they're going to hold those rates at a higher level into 2024. Uh, at this point, I think it's unlikely that they lower rates until the end of the first quarter next year. Uh, and I think it could be even a risk that it's even later than that. So, you know, we're still talking about whether it's one more hike, two more hikes, you know, relatively restrictive monetary policy, probably for a quite extended period of time here over the next six to 12 months. Yeah, no, I think that th- that's, you know, correct. I mean, the Fed is, um, they want to protect their inflation fighting credentials, and they missed you know, they thought this would be transitory, the pickup in inflation. It would really be focused more on the goods sector. It's 
it's um, it's filtered over to the service sector, and that's harder to wring inflation out. But I think Fed Chairman Powell certainly wants to protect his legacy um, and doesn't want to be seen as leaving the Fed Reserve. Right? If you think about the next election next year, presidential election, he may not elect to stay on. So certainly he has a time frame where he would like to see inflation back towards 2%. And uh, But it's going to be tough. And I think what that means um, in, in terms of burnishing the reputation and the fact it'll be sticky is that we're going to see rates higher for longer. And that's going to be very different. If we're correct and we, we fall into recession, they won't be quick to cut rates. They're going to hold it there. And that's a very different environment than we've seen you know, in previous cycles. Well, thank you both for your comments today. It's been a great podcast on inflation. To our audience, tune in next week as we dive deeper into the housing market and with a mid-year update on construction. And after that episode, we'll provide our analysis of the FOMC's July meeting announcement. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtained certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023 Nationwide.